This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Made possible by the good people at the Manitoba Arts Council. Sending out an NOS. Sending out an NOS. Sending out an NOS. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by the incomparable Lori Gibbs, who is coming uh, to us from... Uh, middle of nowhere Lori. do you mind providing us a little bit uh, the listener a little bit of context as to where you are right now oh sure i'm somewhere in southern alberta i can't say any more specifically otherwise my security team gets peeved with me but uh yeah in the prairies and we have a little cabin and they just built a new cell tower and we all rejoiced and said oh we'll have the best reception ever now I can see the cell tower. I could walk over to the chain link fence, and if it didn't have barbed wire, I would climb that thing to get better reception. But it's the barbed wire, you guys. I'm not an athlete. I can't do it. So will this be okay? I I think it'll be fine, and I I, I think we can work out some sort of described video. I should have come down to that. Uh, But we don't actually record the video for this. Uh, This is one of the pleasures of this show, is that it's... uh, it's, uh, oh, it's so great. It's yeah. honestly the best thing about this podcast appointment is that I did not pick up a hairbrush, a curling iron, or a <laughs> mascara. So I mean, you guys win already. Since hey, you are out, <laughs> yeah, since you are outside by a cell tower, I think it would be kind of weird if you were like, all right, it's like it's winning, it's windy in Alberta <laughs> outside. Uh, like I'm, I'm yes. between. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a it's a lightning storm, and I'm between oil rigs. But I want to look good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like. <laughs> yes, I'm like I'm like uh, when in Seinfeld when Elaine's boss joined Greenpeace, and he's just out <laughs> on a raft. He's just out there. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he thinks it's the right thing. That's where I am right now. You know, uh, I- I'm glad you brought up Seinfeld, Larry, because I was talking to the guys about this earlier, and we were talking about how every generation has uh, a piece of pop culture they can quote like gospel what would you say every generation has that's like their go-to like for whatever reason they can just quote it like it's it almost oh, like osmosis. Okay. Um, i think it has to be it has to be the movie or the show it reaches into your soul and it just happens i don't i haven't studied it because i'm not a scientist yet but for for myself, because I know that's who I know the best. Um, certainly, Seinfeld, uh, Mean Girls, um, Super Bad, because I have two boys, <laughs> uh, and Breakfast Club, stuff like that. Because I was a teenager in the '80s, so I have some really good John Hughes movies and things in my brain. Um, but yeah, for other generations, I don't know. Maybe my great grandma likes Gone with the Wind. Who knows? Oh my God. I, um, uh, I think it'd be kind of interesting for, uh, like just hearing someone from like the greatest generation, just be like, uh, someone will be like, I'll see you tomorrow. And someone's like, tomorrow's another day. And someone goes, huh? Nice. (laughs) You know that you've met your people. If you connect on that level, it's like, listen, I don't care what any of your other beliefs are. I really don't care. I don't care if you walk around in a tinfoil three piece suit. The fact that you just knew that quote has blown my mind and we're going to be friends. Exactly. It's an intergenerational thing. It's like, as so long as we can agree that the drapes made a nice dress, 
What can we say? Michael's uh, from the same generation as you are in, in Seoul. Uh, that is because I, 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 I'm like a, I'm sort of a, I, I don't know what I was going to say right here. I would actually say that I am a, I am a, a conduit. My body is a, a cipher for, uh, uh, for uh, deceased peoples, which is why my pop cultural frame of reference is like, uh, is like uh, my little chickadee. <laughs> starring Mae West like like I remember I think my girlfriend said to me the other day she says you have the pop cultural frame of reference of like an elderly gay man I'm like oh <laughs> that's such a compliment he's <laughs> like he's like wow you're into like you're into like uh pre haze code uh, uh uh musicals yes <laughs> but let me ask you this as a person who's on the spectrum, and I'm, I'm saying that's you. We don't know each other a lot, but tell me, tell me where you are. What's your deal? What's my deal right now? Yeah, I'm Michael. Currently... What is your deal? I'll tell you. Uh, what this is your is... deal about like seat. how how spectrumy are you? <laughs> oh man. Well, as you can see on the back shelf uh, behind me, I mean, my uh, my audience can't see. Uh, there's this terrible trope that I hate of like YouTube movie guys, where they just have all yeah. their movies in the back. I picked this room because it's a walk-in closet that my parents let me put my movies in. And so because of all the, the cotton and such uh, from like their sweaters, it, it just absorbs sound better. However, uh, it, it, this is, this is how, this is how spectrum I am. So like, what, what do we got on the shelf right here? Okay. What we got, a, we got WKRP uh, in Cincinnati on VHS. All right. We're off to a good start. We have, uh, well, we have good a, because I, did, I was in radio for a long time. So that made, that's good for me. Yeah, no, and uh, we'll actually get to your MC uh, because you talked about not knowing me particularly well. I think you and I are firmly, uh, fairly well acquainted due to our works, uh, uh, our work with apps respectively. But uh, we also got an unopened copy of Night Shift starring uh, Henry Winkler. It is from, uh, it is on VHS. Are, are, on we, are we talking the Scorsese movie? Nope, uh, we are that, uh, Nope, we are uh, not talking about the Nick Cage movie. We are talking about uh, the Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton comedy. It is in plastic wrap. It's still in plastic wrap. No one's opened it. I think it's probably succumbed to rot. The tape. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, this is this is. I think you've answered my question because what yes. my my second my follow up question was going to be: Do you think that being on the spectrum gives you an advantage at? being a conduit for dialogue from all kinds of movies and shows because that is one of the perks of having a different kind of mind yeah no it's um uh it, like i obviously i would rather be good at like doing taxes or, or like doing things that no. have an obvious utility <laughs> <laughs> like doing things like you know what i mean like i i want to maximize my utility but like you said uh your neurological variation takes you to places you never really expect. And so uh, for me, it's kind of like I, you just fought. It's like improv. You say yes, and then you just see what happens next. And so to me, I, I, I looked at an unopened copy of Night Shift, and I said, sure, why not? And then, uh, yes. and then slowly I began uh, developing a photographic memory for uh, the, these, uh, this niche. And I'm sure that everyone else in this group has something like that. Like Current, I'm sure you got some equivalency to that. Oh, I got plenty of video games uh, that you can go from. Karen's like, so, it's me so and Mario. Oh, yeah. 
Oh right, yeah. So, Adam, you said, "Hey, I do voices. I'm a Mario." <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it's me, I'm Mario. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? We all have to start somewhere. That's a good place. I, I think with within autism, like we all we we're all like. Okay, do I have one of those useful gifts or one of those like not useful gifs? And if it wasn't for comedy, I think the majority of us would be in the non-useful gift category. Oh my God, I'd be screwed because to me, like where I benefited was I had parents that just like were, uh, that like took me to social skills boot camp. They really like kind of like, like they, they made me maintain eye contact for like minutes on end. It was excruciating. I didn't find out until I was 23. So that's, that's... yeah, yeah. Uh, Curran and Adam, were you guys also diagnosed later in life? No, uh, I was about 16. I was, I was 12. 15. Okay. 15. So but they always, there was something a little different about me. They're like, yeah, there's something not quite right about that kid. Yeah. The, point, the point I, the point I was making is like, the thing is, is yeah, take a drink, listeners. Uh, <laughs> uh, the thing is, uh, like, I've noticed, like, a lot of people telling me, like, their kids are on the spectrum. It's like, okay, what, what what's their thing? And it's like, and when you hear, like, engineering or, like, STEM, I'm like, good, at least they have something they can fall back on. Like, mine was movies early on, then it moved to comedy eventually, so. Doctors had been trying to come up with a diagnosis for me for years because they knew I had something that they couldn't quite figure out what it was and eventually uh one of them basically said okay we're just going to put down autism on the form because it's cheaper than coming up with something new and naming it after you <laughs> uh, yeah, we all have currentism yeah <laughs> yeah i would wear that like a badge yeah <laughs> i do i'm like i'm probably curing i'm gonna do session. Kern's going to do his first special in Saskatchewan. We'll just call it Swift Kern. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. so there. Uh, Lori, Can I get a guest spot on your show? Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Lori, I just want to quickly <laughs> apologize that we've turned this into a therapy session. I, I really appreciate you uh, moderating this and doing such a good job. But you are, oh. you are the guest, and I want to make sure that the listener gets to know about uh, the incomparable Lori Gibbs. And I and want to ask Yes. Well, hang on a second. Hang on a second, because okay. yeah, I got I. There's sure. You know what? I am comparable. You can compare me to anything you want. I mean, I might win, but uh, incomparable. You know, literally, you can compare me to a telephone post or a field of grass or a daisy. It's fine. Oh, good. I thought you were going to tell the. Who? Hold on there. I have to avoid this moose that's on the road. <laughs> What? I just missed that. I what? said, I thought you were going to say, hold on a second. I have to avoid this moose. Because oh. you're <laughs> no, we're, at, we're on the prairie, so it's crocodiles, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, I thought it was say, coyotes. <laughs> I know you said, like, this is an impromptu therapy session, but honestly, that's kind of one of my very favorite things to happen with people because. I'm not into small talk. Like, I want to get to know what's cool about somebody. I don't want to hear about they like when it's warm and sunny, too. Oh, wow, really? We're so connected. Good thing so, for you, neither are we. <laughs> yeah, that's if like we a, get that's into like the deep stuff, yeah. So tell us about your yeah, craft That's, that's, that's like craft a comic show. in a sense, right? Yeah. So, Lori, tell us craft about your show. craft show. My craft show? 
Yeah. My craft show. Um, I don't have a craft show exactly, but I may be misunderstanding the question at the same time. Uh, on your bio, it says that you're good at crafts, and you somehow turn that and comedy into uh Oh, right. Oh, that's good. See, this is research. Somebody read my bio. I am not paying GoDaddy for nothing. My life is complete now. Okay, so what that is, and the reason that I was a little dumb about it is because of COVID, I haven't been able to do this for a long time, but uh, with a few TV stations in Calgary, it was usually done by occasion. You know, they'd say, hey, Lori, it's Halloween. Can you come on and do a segment about uh, costumes or crafts or something? And I'd say, hell yeah, I can. And then I would spend a lot of time thinking of something hilarious to do or dress up or do both. And, like, it's weird. Like, when you love crafts, you don't really ever imagine that that's a cool thing. Like, it's nice. I love it. It's good for my brain. But it's not like you go, hey, you know how badass I am? I can weave. So... Uh, to be able to to be able to bring humor to crafts on TV and like make them fun rather than nerdy or intimidating or boring, that's just been a joy for me because I naturally find it that way. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, Jelly Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to address my favorite part of your bio, which is a testimonial from Emilio Estevez. Uh, uh, Nikki Payne's dog. It says, I like Lori's boobies. <laughs> that is correct, sir. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Why didn't I predict that you guys were going to be the research podcast of my life? This is so exciting. Um, so, do you know, you know, Nikki Payne, hilarious comedian. Yeah. And she and I became friends back when I was an amateur in 2006. And our friendship has stayed strong and sillier over the years. Her dog, is hilariously named Emilio Estevez. And there were times where... <laughs> because why not, right? Yeah. And there were times where Nikki and I would be doing shows together and Emilio would be traveling with her. And when we were on the road together, he would sleep on my bosom the entire time. And, and Nikki said, like, he's kind of a little perv. Are you okay with this? And I'm like, you know... I am, actually. I think he's a gentleman. He hasn't done anything untoward. He's just feeling comforted, which is what I like to provide people. So why not Emilio as well? He looks up at should... you knowingly before he comes to your leg. So it's just... <laughs> like, I, I think you should be more worried about the dog named Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I think Charlie ran should, like, away with Charlie ran away with a French poodle and hasn't been seen since. <laughs> I think someone should write Emilio's unauthorized biography, but it's, he's a dog. Like he's by the book. Well, Nikki's an amazing writer. She should. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Adam, you had a question? Exactly. Adam? Adam, you had a question? The, no, but I love the dog's work in uh, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> that's not that's not, oh, her, no, that's not I, I couldn't hear that say it again so i can i said i love the dog's work in the mighty duck <laughs> I, I, adam yeah, I'm so, 
Adam, I just want to apologize to you, man, because I realize this podcast is going to be you repeating every joke you tell. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Which which makes this podcast extra autistic, so don't worry. Uh, one thing, I, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, Lori. Um, uh, so does it does it have a likeness to Emilio Estevez? Was Emilio Estevez in a movie with a dog? Like is? No, no. And what I've learned, <laughs> what, what, that is a super logical, reasonable question. But what I've learned with Nikki and. And some of the other closest people in my life is that logic and reason are not really all that much fun. So why don't we just do things because it's hilarious and it would might even be funnier if there wasn't an explanation. <laughs> Sorry, actually, uh, just in the private chat right here, our wonderful producer just wanted me to ask a question on his behalf. Thanks for yeah. sending me to me privately, Christian, uh, now that I've outed you. It says, does your son ever get embarrassed by your material? Great question. Okay, I okay. I have two sons. Uh, one is Dylan. One is Josh. They are twenty-seven and twenty-three. I think maybe twenty-six and twenty-three. I'm at that age where I don't remember anymore. I just know that I love these beings. And Josh has autism. Dylan does not. Dylan has been to a show where I wasn't going to do any material about family because I was trying to be sensitive. And then at the last minute, I was like, I don't want to be sensitive. This is awesome. And so I may have scarred him, but if I have, he's never said anything. Um, Josh, with autism, I don't, I don't think, like, he doesn't, he hasn't been to a show yet. I'm not sure that that would be his jam even, to be honest. Um, and, and I'm just his mom, right? Like I've, I've always been just me. And so for him, until he gets out in the world and meets a lot more other people and sees what their parents do, it's not going to sound, it's not going to be weird for him that his mom's a comedian. Does that make any sense? Do you have any good autism jokes? Um, let me think. Well, I used to have this bit where you know when you go to Disneyland and you can get a special pass for a special needs? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I had this like long bit about going to Disneyland and getting that pass and how it was really my husband who appreciated it more than my son because he has no patience for waiting in line or anything else. Um but and meanwhile Josh at the time he was probably ten or so he was learning how to get better at waiting in line, um, but that didn't mean that we were not going to use that pass because, come on, man, you're saving eight hours a day in line. So um, so there's a bit about that, but it makes me seem a little bit evil for, for using the pass to our advantage. Well, we just had a guest on about how the villain is always right. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah I was do uh... more villainous things. Oh, <laughs> listen! If someone's always gonna, if someone's always gonna play devil's advocate, why not just be a terrible person? You know, if if I could be a terrible person, I probably would because it would be a lot easier than being like this person who's trying really hard. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's all worth it at the end of the day, kids. I promise. The, though, um, in Albert, though in Alberta, it might be hard to find like. There's like a spectrum of terrible people occasionally out there. Oh, dude, it's been 
so embarrassing. And I'll just take this moment to say that I was born and raised in Vancouver, so I am not. <laughs> I am not a true Albertan. I do not have a truck. I love people of all creeds, cultures, and everything else. I really, I really don't fit in, you guys. I don't know why I'm here. And you went to Tits McGee uh, High School. <laughs> I did go to McGee Secondary School in Vancouver. And um, my friend Kathleen McGee is also known as Tits McGee. We've had Kathleen on the show already, so we moved oh, well Fantastic. I'm so glad that you know the reference of whom I speak. So, we would um, love to have you both on at the same time. Oh, dear God. Could anybody actually handle that much raw uh, sexuality uh, 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 and talent, though, at the I, I same also, time? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see Mike's idea, and let's just add Amanda Brooke Perrin while we're at it. Just... Oh, my comedy <laughs> daughter. Like, that's insane. Let's just make it so it would be harder, like it would be as hard to watch Zoom in gallery view as it would be in speaker view. You know what I mean? Like it just, you don't know where to focus at it one would. time. Uh, but you would uh, have to re you'd have to re-listen. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say I really admired you taking me under your wing recently. Uh, 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 we both did an emceeing show a while back for like apps, and I yeah. really appreciate. Yeah, you had my back throughout because I was really um, I I hate emceeing stuff. And you yeah. were just such a good, you were such a wonderful foil to have up there. And I, I, it was, it was a fun show too, but I wanted to ask you, w most of your emceeing skill, was that transferable from your work in radio or like how, uh, like what have you carried over from radio that's really helped you in uh, comedy and emceeing work? And has anyone oh, ever said to you that you've got more of a radio face than a face for comedy? <laughs> I, everybody just looks at me and says, how did you get so damn good looking? And I go, stop bothering me. And then it's done. So <laughs> I, I've, been told I have, I've been told I have a face for radio and a voice for print. So well, and, and grammar for the third grade. Isn't, well, I hope it's your friends telling you that because friends should always roast friends. Um, but it, it actually happened in the reverse. I started comedy and then that led into radio. So I had no... Uh, no belief system in my head that said, hey, you've got a voice that could be used for a career. Well, I, I, like nothing. It was just like I had to start comedy because I was going to die if I didn't finally try it. And then a few years later, doing promos for shows at local radio stations. Long story short, one of them thought I had great chemistry with their morning show, so they added me, and the rest was history. I ended up like seven years in morning radio. So the skills, I would say, from stand-up definitely uh, transferred to radio and vice versa. There's so, so much that's similar. And then some of the things that are different are absolutely enormous. Which, of course, the obvious one being I don't have an audience to feel the energy from in a studio do, on the radio. Um, so you have to have a lot more trust. So you've been doing Zoom shows for longer than everyone else. Oh, actually, no. I'll tell you, I did a couple of Zoom shows. And uh, because of the pandemic and some hard stuff I was going through last year, Going on Zoom felt like it was biting a piece of my soul off. And so I couldn't bring myself in my current state to get up the right 
energy needed to do Zoom comedy shows. I absolutely admire anybody who did because it's weird and I, I salute them, but I, it wasn't my thing at the moment. I want to go back and say you're welcome for when we emceed together because when you said that, all the memories flooded back in. And I am very, very happy to hear if I calmed you down or helped because that's like one of my favorite hobbies is taking something that might be scary or uncomfortable and seeing how much fun we can just suck out of the experience. You know what I mean? In a good way. Oh, yeah, no, you're amazing because like my first problem uh, is that I don't drink. <laughs> so I'm just aware of everything that's happening <laughs> as it happens. And to me, I'm like, I, I, uh, I, I don't have the executive, like I, I have the forethought to see what's about to go wrong, but I lack the executive function to do anything about it. So it's like having minority report, but also not knowing how to use a computer. Wow. Yeah. It, it, like it just doesn't work. Yeah. I completely so, understand. So like you were so good because you were just so good. Cause really like in, in all you did, Lori, and this is what was so great was you just made me laugh before the show. <laughs> like we just got into the, the joke of ripping. And what was great was that audience was so fun, but again, it was a very, uh, it was very neurodiverse audience, uh, a very sort of like a room that was very prone to heckle. Yeah. And so I got up there and what you were great at doing was, and this was like, it was such a dumb moment. It felt like a, a, the ending of like an eighties movie where they went, no, he's going to do it. <laughs> Cause like I told my first joke and it did not land at all. And you just like winked at me yeah. and I was like, yeah, it was like, it was like the coach. You're like, hang in there, yeah. kid. I'm so glad I did Even though that. we were both doing it. That was, and I was panicking because you were like, you had a drink in one hand and you're like winking. You're like, go get him. And I'm like, you're out here with me. Say something. And it was. Well, and that. What are you doing? Uh, here, I'm going to, I'm going to say that speaks to exactly how I parented my kids as well. Right. Because. We're at the edge of the nest, baby. And I'm like, you're, Pat, you are ready for me to kick you out of this nest. And you don't know what flying is. And you don't, haven't done it before. I'm using the bird metaphor really, really deeply right now because you probably have flown before. But I knew that your wings were going to come out once you took the leap. And if I kept you there on the edge because I was scared for you, then I would be doing you a disservice. And let it be known uh, to everyone listening to this episode, it didn't work. Uh, yeah. I bombed. I, 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 <laughs> you did not bomb. I did not like. bomb. No, I, I told a couple of jokes and the audience was polite. Then I got into an argument with someone because they were like, because, because at one point someone was just like, what's your D&D &D character? And I just point blank just said, uh, he's a tiefling uh, barbarian. Well they, well, they said, no, they said, what class is your D&D &D character? And I said, he's a tiefling. And they said, that's a race, not a class. Yeah. I was like, all right, look, I don't play... It went down the autism oh, spiral, man. Autistic hecklers. <laughs> Autistic hecklers, man. How do you handle know, like, that? Actually, that should be on my bio, is that I can handle hecklers on the spectrum. That should be my niche market now. Because well, they'll catch you, dude. Yeah. It's more complicated dealing with someone asking you that than some guy being drunk in Fort McMurray at a bar high on coke, you know? Like... He's easy to deal with as opposed to dealing with the autistic heckler, as you say. Because yeah. the autistic heckler, I love them because they keep me sharp because they're never malignant. They're they're always like engaging with the show on some level. They're like, hey, I'm really digging this. Uh, I, yeah. I relate to what you're talking about. I'm going to throw something your way. And I don't want to disappoint them when I tell them I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> as, as, well, most autistic audiences are already on coke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Coca-Cola. Is that like mandatory is that now? A thing? Is that yeah, a thing? sort of. Autistic people? Get the stimulants in us, uh, so we actually have some sort of personality. Oh, that would be, dude. That would be. That's probably why I'm so like, uh, so like morose all the time. I should probably uh, have more soft. So, so as far as he- he- so as far as hecklers go in uh, Alberta, what's your favorite experience you've had so far? Oh, my absolute favorite. Great question. One of my closest friends, her name is Jackie. She lives by Edmonton. I was doing Edmonton Yuck Yucks. She comes to a show. She's sitting in the booth with a couple of friends. I'm doing my set. I'm getting ready to do my closer, which is a, it's a take on the, on the phrase balls to the wall. And since I have autism in the house, who wants to tell me what that phrase actually originates from? basketball to the wall Balls to the wall good guess give me some more racquetball sorry sorry where did where does the action sorry well i thought balls to the wall was like a piloting phrase you got it you got it so okay (laughs) this is funny because like i knew that before i started telling the joke i knew that I'm making a joke about how men use the expression balls to the wall, but I did know the origin of its meanings because I like to research everything all the time. So inevitably, there's some drunk guy who comes up at the end of the show, hey, uh, do you actually know where balls to the wall comes from? And I'm like, yes, thank you. Have a great night. Um, Otherwise, we get into a drunk conversation that I can't get out of. But I was doing this joke, and so at one point, I... (laughs) I say, I'm trying to understand what it means, but I don't have balls. And my friend, Jackie, yells out, yes, you do. And, and I'm going, what, what is she doing? My best friend, one of my best friends, is heckling me, but I know she doesn't think this is a heckle. <laughs> so, so I well, go, that's the worst situation to be in. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, you've known me. You've known me since before I started stand-up comedy. You know, and and now, I, okay, so she goes, I go, I don't have balls. And she says, yeah, you do. And I look at her and go, I teabagged her before the show. <laughs> and there was thunderous laughter, at least in my head it was. Because, and I thought of it right on the spot. Thank you, comedy gods. And then that, that <laughs> exactly that interaction actually added on to the joke later because I actually um, act out teabagging people from the audience as I'm on stage. And so she making that poor decision to heckle me, uh, I guess you could say it was lemons. And I took her bushel of lemons and I made some sweet, sweet lemonade. I, I, I was wondering. Uh, did- did you think about merging the tea, the the whole tea bag idea, and just make a get some tea made for it? Oh, dude, that would have been so great. But what I did do instead of the tea, um, you know, because shipping regulations, they might think it's some kind of weird drug. I just went with t-shirts. I had balls to the wall t-shirts for the dudes, and I had pitch to the bricks t-shirts for the ladies. Nice. You sound like one of our former guests, Amber Nash, from the show Archer. Oh, shoot. I don't watch Archer. Archer, I'm sorry, Amber Nash. Okay. 
She's not sorry. <laughs> Are you? <a> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing at the situation of being like, anyone ever tell you you look like someone you don't know? And you go, no. And then, well, fine. Fuck me for asking. I went full <laughs> ass on last show. Adam goes full ass <laughs> on this one. It just it just lands with a thud. We've all felt it. I mean, you don't you don't get good at comedy without things falling flat all and the time. And I didn't say that she looks like Amber. I said that she sounds like Amber because Balls of the Wall is one of uh, I'm not going to explain anymore. I'm getting too aspy. No, it's cool, man. No, it's cool. We need we need to dude, we need to pad this out to an hour. Uh, so like, go for it. Go for you it. Know, I'm just bombing this interview, so. Just, we've all had him, Adam. Adam, you're fine. You're Adam. You're fine. You're fine. Oh wait a minute! Wait Lori, a minute! I said this. Let me go into mom coach mode here, okay? Um. Oh, don't do this! Don't honey, do this, sweetheart. <laughs> you are loved. You are in a safe space, and if you tell a joke that doesn't land, I respect you for telling the joke because most people don't have the balls callback to do that. Well played. Adam Adam's mom uh, recently told him that uh, <laughs> that uh, he needs us more than we need him and he should be grateful to be on this show and I really appreciate you saying that Laurie she's like oh, like a true Hilda. <laughs> she's like yeah, at least you have some friends right now don't screw it up <laughs> that is so real and gorgeous uh, but if you're ever short and you just need like a hit of self-esteem, you just shoot me a message and I'll get you back up on the horse. So do you do a lot of self-esteem? It's what we do all the time, son. So here's a question. Uh, so out, out west, there's a lot more road work out there. Uh, What's what's the best part of the road? Mm. The stories you end up with. Uh, like anything in life, it's what you make it. So if I, you know, when I started and my agent at Yuck Yuck said, you know, I haven't seen you do comedy, but you're here. I'll try you out in Grand Prairie. You can do an opening 20-minute spot. And I was like, really? And he said, like, I was too excited to even ask how much money it co it was going to pay because I pretty much would have just walked there for eight hours. Oh, no, it would have taken longer. I would have walked there and done it for free and then given him my left leg probably. But it was a $75 gig. The drive was eight hours each way. It doesn't include gas. You get a hotel room. It doesn't include food. So I told the graduating class in Josh's, uh, <laughs> at Josh's grad that I made negative $12 on that gig. So that wasn't answering your question, but those are the words that shot out of my mouth. Uh, but the road can be super fun. It's what you make it, right? Like, yeah. if if you think, if someone goes to you, hey, do you want to go to Grand Prairie for $75? A lot of people would say, get the fuck out of here. That's a total ripoff. Why would I do that? But you took but the road you that look at was it, less traveled, and now you're here kicking ass. Hiya! Thank you. Is that, is that Thoreau? Is that Henry David Thoreau? Uh, the the Hiya, I guess. <laughs> the Hiya was so Thoreau. He's one of my favorites. 
I actually was Emerson, um, but so I, oh, I thought it was Ralph Waldo. Oh, I love Ralph Waldo. <laughs> oh well, if I loved an idiot by by accident, he probably needed it anyway. That's a. Uh, that's some beautiful mom philosophy right there. Uh, honestly, Lori, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, coming out and uh, giving Adam a shoulder to cry on when he needed one. Is there anything else you would like to plug? Before we I would like to it? plug both of my shoulders. They are available for anybody who needs a little, uh, a little uh, pep talk, a little mom talk. Uh, you can find me on Facebook for my mom talk. Um, Is it called mom talks? If I look at no, mom talk, you? Mom, mom talk sounds like a sounds like a place in Massachusetts. <laughs> it also sounds like you might go there to learn about menstruation. That's a punctual way to. You, you can just like uh, Google Lori Gibbs, L O R I G I B B S, and then you can find me and you can talk to me and we can be friends and have nice things happen in life together. And be sure to specify Lori Gibbs comedian because I looked up Lori Gibbs and uh, the first thing that came up was um, uh, one second. It, it, it was uh, it was a woman uh, designer and researcher at the Pratt Institute. No kidding. There was a Lori Gibbs. There was a Lori Gibbs who had a cake baking site there. She had LoriGibbs.com and she wouldn't sell it to me. But I was like, that's okay. I'll be LoriGibbs.ca and be all Canadian and whatnot. And. and- <laughs> And that, that sounds like a BG cousin named Lori Gibbs. Also, sorry, uh, also specify uh, Lori Gibbs comedian alive because there is an obituary here uh, at the Ramsey, Texas. <laughs> I am speaking to you from beyond the grave. <laughs> I'm a conduit. We're Canadian comedians. We're already in now. So. <laughs> All right. Kristen, I think mental, that's good. Yes. Okay, thank you so much, you guys. I'm I'm just tickled that you had me on. Oh, Lori, you were delightful, and uh, if you would, uh, if you would ever like to again, we'd love to host you. Uh, it would be really fun. Thanks again. Yes, we'll do it again in ten minutes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Comics NOS podcast. You can follow along by going to Facebook and searching up Comics NOS, the world's most awkward boy band. You can follow the comedians by going onto social media and looking up Michael McCreary. Funny, you don't look autistic on Facebook. You can also follow along by going onto Twitter and looking up at Corinne Dobbs and at Pat Tiffin. Or you can go to adamschwartzcomedy.com. Technical productions for this podcast were brought to you by Christian Kostinik of Thunder Lizard Collective. Made possible by the good people at the Manitoba Arts Council.